0: grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Heavenly Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. We are in the last week of our sermon series, Altogether Beautiful, eight weeks on the Song of Songs. Maybe you, like me, this morning are breathing a sigh of relief uh, that we've come through this extremely difficult book, a book that the rabbis would teach the Israelites not to open until their 30th birthday or until the week they're getting married, a book which our culture talks about all the time. Not actually using the text, but talking about the content of what's inside. You see, God created the relationship between a married man and a woman, and he has something to say about it. He has life to speak into it. And so that's why, over the last eight weeks, we've been sharing these words together. You are altogether beautiful, my love. There is no flaw in you. These are God's words to you that he shares in the relationship between a man and a woman. God's words for you. And and this actually, it's, it's a fun time because this morning... Uh, I'm actually preaching on this text for the second time in my life. And, and as a pastor uh, who's kind of young like I am, I, this is the first time I've ever gotten to do that, to preach on the same text uh, a second time. And the first time, uh, I was preaching at the Gleason wedding. Emily Dufresne and Adam Gleason were getting married, uh, a young couple here at the church, uh, and they chose Song of Songs for their wedding verses. And, and they chose it because they recognized that there's no other bond like marriage. And this is a beautiful passage that we got to share together already this morning. And in marriage, we see the mystery, the mystery of God's love, his perfect love for you and for me. He shows us this love in Christ and how it unites us, not only in relationship with one another, but also in relationship with him. And the passage we shared this morning already, I believe, is one of the most beautiful expressions of love in the entire Bible. And so we come to the end of our book and we kind of ask the question with this this couple, how do they remain committed to one another? How do we remain committed to one another? Not only husbands and wives here in our midst, but how do we remain committed to one another as Christians? And how do we remain committed to God in heaven? One of the questions we've been asking throughout the series is, what were those God-breathed words of wisdom that have been given to you over the course of your life? What was spoken to you about these topics, these things? I was fortunate, Uh, I, I, when I got married uh, a little more than 13 years ago, I had a wedding video made of the day. And so in the video, you can actually go back and watch the ceremony, but you can also hear the words of wisdom that each family passed on to the newlywed couple. And so I went back and I wanted to hear and listen to these wise words that were shared with me. And so I, I dialed it back 13 and a half years ago, June 4th, 2005, and I, I scrubbed the tape to where my dad was about to speak to me words of wisdom. And this is what Gene Schuler said with his nearly 50 years of marriage experience. It's profound. If you make Jesus the center of your relationship, If you make Jesus the center of your marriage, everything will be cool. Period. That's it. He did not go on. He did not continue. He did not expound. He did not add to. He just said, if you make Jesus the center of your marriage, everything will be cool. Dad, I waited 13 and a half years to hear this again. That's all you've got for me? Dad, are you sure? Uh, Would you like to have a do-over? Would you like to add anything else that I can share with my people about this relationship that we have? Any wisdom? If you keep Jesus at the center of your marriage, everything will be cool. And he's right. He's right. It's simple, but it's true. If we as as Christians keep Jesus at the center of our marriage, our marriages will be better. If we keep Jesus at the center of our relationships with one another, our relationships will be better. If we keep Jesus at the center of our relationship with God, our relationship with God will be better. What God-given wisdom did you receive? And what are you going to share to the next generation, to those that come after us, to those who follow? What about your life are you going to share with them so that they know how much God loves them? In verse 6 this morning, she speaks, the woman speaks to her husband. She says, set me as a seal upon your heart. As a seal upon your arm. For love is as strong as death. Jealousy is fierce as the grave. Its flashes are flashes of fire. The very flame of the Lord. Many waters cannot quench love. Neither can floods drown it. If a man offered for love all the wealth of his house. He would be utterly despised. And God reveals to us in the Song of Songs. A love which is truly stronger than death the love that he has for us you know christopher mitchell's the man who wrote 1200 pages on this four-page book he said jesus christ became incarnate for this purpose that through death jesus might destroy him who has the power of death Jesus is born into this world. Jesus comes into our presence. Jesus lives the life that we live so that he can die, that by his death, the devil might be defeated. That by his death, you and I would be set free. You want your relationships in life to be good? keep Jesus at the center and everything will be cool it's simple but it's true now that does not mean that uh, 13 and a half years of marriage we've had 13 and a half perfect uh, perfect years with no fights and no arguments and 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 anything like that but we keep going back to the Jesus which is at the center. We see in the text the woman speaking to the man. She speaks about three things. The seal on her heart. The water and the fire. And we see God in each of these things. That we are sealed by God. He sends His Holy Spirit and seals us so that nothing can escape, an unbreakable seal, a perfect seal. And you and me, in Christ Jesus, have his spirit living inside of us, a temple of God sealed by his holiness. And in the water, water which can be so destructive, water which we've seen over the last couple of months Rain and rain and flood the east coast with storms and hurricanes causing massive destruction. Water can also be a cleansing. For you and me, when combined with God's word, washing is our forgiveness. The baptism that we are given, God uses this water to save Simple water. And then we see the fire, the fire which can burn and destroy, the fire which has ravaged the West Coast through droughts. That same fire can also purify and refine. But we don't like the fire. We don't want The fire. We keep crying out to God to save us from the fire. Friday was dad's birthday. And we we struggle with days like those in our lives when we are in the midst of the fire. When we're in the midst of the brokenness, when we long for the restoration of all things, when we long for the day that we won't have to cry, when we won't have to mourn, when we won't have to fear death. But in the midst of the fire, God is present in our lives. We see God present in all of the fires. In the Old Testament and in the New, God led his people as a flame in their time in exile in the wilderness. When his faithful people were thrown into the fire, God was present in their midst to keep them from being burned. After Jesus was raised from the dead, we see it was tongues of fire which were set on the heads of Of the disciples, that they could speak wisdom and truth and grace and love. Heidi Gaiman in her book says that same fire is now found in us. God sent his Holy Spirit to fill us, to guide us, to give us solid ground and give us feet that will not slip when the waves and challenges of life crash over us when we feel shaken to the core. In the text, the very next thing that happens is that the others come and speak into the couple's life. The the others say, what shall we do for our sister on the day when she is spoken for? And like, this is where we as Christians are called to love and to lift up each other. I would not have made it through Friday if I did not have men in my life warning me about the grief that was about to wash over me and flood my life. Men who had gone through the same thing who had lost their father and grieved and, and, and came to me and loved me with a love that they could understand what I was going through. And we don't want the fire. We resist it and we run from it, but it's in the midst of that fire that God really refines us, that he creates in us a capacity to share his love with others. And so now, having burned, I can help someone else. Maybe you. With the love that God has given me. You see, it's not just one person that God gives us. Heidi says in her book, God doesn't just leave one person to bear the load of sharing love with us. God sends others into our lives to take part in our journey. He sends allies. He sends men and women to support us, to encourage us, to remind us of that eternal love that God has for us a love which is stronger than death, a love which has defeated every enemy. you keep Jesus at the center of your relationship, everything will be cool, but everything will not be perfect. He will walk with you and he will protect you. He will guide you and love you. I was listening to a sermon the other day about this very verse, and the preacher, uh, my cousin Justin, began to speak to his son about the role that his son would have in his life moving forward. And he said to his son, and I wanted to share these words with you, you are responsible for yourself. For the way you think, the way you behave, what you choose to do. You can't control what anyone else does, including your future wife, but you can control yourself and what you bring into the relationship. If you keep Jesus at the center of your life, fires will come, floods may follow, there may be destruction all around you, but our God is a God who heals, who restores the Bible tells us he can bring back the years that evil has taken away. For you and me, there is hope forever because there is hope in him. And the very last words in the Song of Songs I want us to pay special attention to. It's a conversation between the husband and the wife. And the the man speaks, and he says, O you who dwell in the gardens, with companions listening to your voice, let me hear it. You're talking to everyone else, but I want you to talk to me. I mean, I'm a man so I don't understand how profound that is. But, but you who are a, a female and you who are married, when was the last time your husband came to you and said, Dear wife of mine, please speak to me. And didn't take out his cell phone and start scrolling immediately. Dear wife, speak to me. I want to hear your voice. I want to know how you're doing. And and I want to respond with more than, Yep. (laughs) Nope. What was that? Huh? Can you repeat that last part? I mean, we want, we want to hear your voice. Gentlemen, I want you to hear how the woman responds in the text. She says, make haste, my beloved, and be like a gazelle or a young egg on the mountains of spices. And I want you as adults to read between the lines When he says, I want you to be, when she says, I want you to be like a gazelle or a young stag on the mountains. He says, Talk to me. I'm interested in you. And she says, Let's go. feel like that's a good trade. Is it worth your time? Is it worth your time to keep this relationship going? Is it worth your time to keep your relationship with God going? Is it worth your time to keep the relationship with your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ going? We can see here that it is worth it. And in the invitation that the man makes to the woman, that's an invitation God makes to you. God says to you, I want to hear your voice. Married or single, young or old, sons and daughters, mothers and fathers, I want to hear your voice. I want you to know mine. I want you to know that I care, and that I love you, that you are altogether beautiful, that there is no flaw in you. I have made you my own. God invites us he initiates. He starts everything with us. And what is our response? We cry out like she did make haste. And I really feel like that is our most natural response Lord, yes. Please, please come. Lord, restore my life and the lives of the people here. Lord, come. Come, Lord Jesus. Take away all the pain. Take away all the suffering. Take away death as you've done in Jesus eternally. Do now in our midst. He invites us To see ourselves and to see each other the way that He does. And His words for you now and forever are, You are altogether beautiful, my love. There is no flaw in you. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we give You abundant thanks for Your Son, Jesus. who loves us with a love stronger than death, who came to earth to live, to die, but also to rise. Help us to live clearly in the light that He provides. Help us to keep You in the center of our lives so that everything would be cool. And take us to that day when all things are made new in you. This we pray through the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen.